Hi, and welcome to another episode of Conversation with the Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves of Nam, where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded. Land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and rising. Today I'm talking to Alessandro Tintori at Sosta Ristorante. Alex grew up on a farm in Tuscany, so when he talks about cooking with the seasons, it's not just a cliché, it's a way of life. Having started his chef life in Italy with a two-year stint in London and some time in Sydney, luckily for us, Alex now calls Melbourne home. After a wonderful six years working at Il Bacaro with David Delay, the opportunity arose for Alex with friend and front of house manager Roby Gianetta to buy Sosta Ristorante in North Melbourne with business partner Frank Ramondos. Three weeks in and Alex is happily bringing his love of the seasons, foraging and fermentation to Errol Street. He's cooking modern Italian food with Australian produce. Alex thinks about food 23-7 and mentions his suppliers as the real heroes, favouring organic produce and hormone and antibiotic free meat. Sitting in Sosta at dusk, as the evening sun slants through the blinds on the window, the Art Deco lights have just been switched on and you're handed a beautifully illustrated menu featuring glorious dishes, as well as a glass of Rosso di Montalcino, that must be up there with the loveliest of lovely experiences as you anticipate the night ahead. time today. No, thank you for coming, absolutely. Of course. Sorry, just finishing up lunch and Sabido. Yeah, And the pump today was good also. How's it been going? Good, good. Yeah. It's the end of the third week now yeah. and uh, we start to settle in finally. Yeah. You know, the soft opening is over, we go getting to be more busy. The guys in the kitchen are uh, trained properly, so it's good. It's yeah. Just, you know, a lot of hours to get, in, to get into the point. So. Yeah. It was a really great article, the Good Food article in The Age. Yes, actually, it was a, a fantastic and a bit unexpected, so it's oh, like, you know, very, okay. very exciting yeah. at the same time, yes. Yeah, so yes. good. And um, so I was really interested, I've been telling everyone that I've been coming um, to talk to you today, and one of my colleagues at school said he was across the road last night, and he mm. said he looked over and it just looked like it was so much fun, like everyone was outside, and it yeah. just had that really great ambiance, so he's going to come back. Okay, awesome. <laughs> yeah, we... Don't wanna make a, like a place too uptight. You know, wanna keep it. wanna keep it not, not intimidating. It's, it's not what we wanted. You know, I mean, we wanna do a, an extreme fine dining, anything like that. Mm. You know, this culture of Italian food is it's friendly at the end of it. You know, it's not nothing particularly complicated or oh. So that's yeah. What was the idea behind the behind the project? Anyway, you know, playing with uh, Italian food, having a bit of fun with uh, native ingredients, actually native ingredients, and. Uh, and put together my my passion for fermentation, I guess, and that's how, how the project started. Yeah. I was, I was interested in the wording that you want to make Melbourne another region of Italy. Um, do you want to tell yes. me a bit more about that? Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't expect it was going 
we put it on the article, but that's, that's <laughs> it was, that, that actually that was, was the idea, you know, like when I'm thinking about uh, Italian food, it's all about regional food, it's all about local produce. Yeah. I grew up in, um, in the countryside in a, in a little farm and uh, with, my, with my grandfather and my parents in a large family. And, uh, you know, everything was sourced locally. My grandparents farmed their own animals and uh, um, producing our own, our own food for most of the time. Uh, and that is all about, you know, that's all about Banol, Italian food, all the food culture normally is just sourcing from local. So... What, what region was that? I am from Tuscany. Okay. The heart, heart of Tuscany. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think it's, it's nice to like, keep importing food from, uh, from Europe. I think it's more, make more sense sourcing locally. And uh, uh, how can I put that? Like, I feel like I respect more the Italian culture, the food culture generally, just by using the local stuff rather than putting, uh, I don't know, piece of prosciutto on a airplane and shipping over here. What's, I don't see the points anymore in doing that. So that's why I try to focus you know, on the local salami, local cheeses, beside the, you know, the same sausage like Parmigiano, balsamic vinegar. I try to get everything, everything local, mm. absolutely, and that's why it's the idea of treating Australia like a, like a, <laughs> an Italian region. That's what it is, you know. What yeah, I mean? yeah, which is good because Australia, you know, often wants to lay ownership to countries like New Zealand. So it's good if Italy <laughs> can just take ownership of <laughs> Australia. No, it's like more, more of a philosophy. Like if I'm thinking about, you know, Italian regional food, is, yeah, is unthinkable of we getting anything from France, Germany, or anywhere else. Just. It's like that because you can find it locally and this is the idea behind the place, yeah. Well, I really like that idea and I think that it is a philosophy, isn't it? Because I think sometimes people talk about authentic food yes. and, that you, and that you can only use, but then in an authentic situation, as you say, it is about regionality and terroir yes. or, you know, reflecting where you're from. So it makes total sense to me. So you're using the techniques and the ideas of Italian food, but you're yes. using local produce. Local produce, yeah. just, I don't know, to me, make more sense yeah. than you know, importing everything. So obviously, it's a bit of a challenge finding the, the right produce of the high, high quality. can be a bit of a struggle on the cheese side, because uh, cow cheeses in Australia are fantastic. The coming up, the sheep cheeses are not as good, unfortunately, yet as the French or the Italians, but it doesn't matter. It's a work in progress. And, uh, prefer supporting the locals, you know, working with close farms like uh, uh, Sporer um, Foraging, for example, making amazing produce, uh, uh, getting in contact with Amaro Farm as well, you know, just uh, like the Car Fresher is another, it's another farm down uh, to close to Morrington Peninsula, it's uh, making all the organic produce, and we're getting stuff from, from those guys, yeah. as well as a story for, uh, for meat producers, everything is sourced uh, as us locally and as small as possible. So that coming from uh, Geelong, like Retrocher Roads, uh, the peaks from Western Plain Parks, the lambs is uh, just small from, from Margaret lambs. It's just, you know, it's a bit harder working that way, but it's also more rewarding. And you can tell the difference on the plates. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about, it's all about that, I think. It's just, just getting very good produce and treated with respect. Sometimes it does all the job. And tell me about the menu. What are some, um, is it a, a large menu or a tight menu? What, what are you doing? Uh, no, it's, um, well, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but you know, when it comes down to food, it's, it's always a cliche, you know, because it's been said over and over, but you know, I like to work with, um, uh, with seasons. It's very, very important. As I said, I come from a, a, I grew up in a little farm and you really see the season as it goes. And uh, I want to keep, I want to keep it that way. So it's a small menu that I'm changing very, very often. Like once a, a month, every six weeks, I keep changing items on the menu. Now it's coming soon, the, the stone season, stone fruit season. So that's when I'm going to update it compared to what I'm using now, the, 
the greens like peas, broad beans, some going to be off season. We're gonna moving on. It's small menu and uh, work with the season, uh, season uh, with the seasons. Mm, that's mm. well. That's so, what, what are some highlights for this season? Well, springs or my favorite season, to be honest, is autumns. Yeah. For some reason, well, mushrooms, uh, mushroom <laughs> chestnuts, uh, you know, all the grapes and stuff. But springs as well is is as good as it gets. You know, got all the spontaneous herbs which I love it for example I go to forage in my own uh, wild fennel or or the wild garlics I get the wild cabbages I do it all myself I just I like it I love yeah. it I learned it from my grandparents and I keep doing it myself yeah and that's why I like also autumns because you can go foraging your own uh, your own mushroom and all but yeah speaking of springs right now yeah it's got all the wild herbs coming they are in season now Obviously, peas, broad beans, uh, um, sugar snaps, all, all the good greens, asparagus, come on, it's, mm. asparagus is fantastic, Yeah. Never on the menu. And uh, now it's getting to the point where the tomatoes are getting very good, uh, you get to the point that, as I said, stone fruits are about to arrive, so the peaches, apricots, and you know, just keep the challenge goes. Yeah, amazing. I try to save something from each season, like preserving it, like for this season I preserve a lot of uh, wild garlic flour, uh, pickled some, and I fermented some, and I'm going to put out through the years. Yeah, and what will you use that for later? Uh, for later, garlic flour goes pretty yeah, much yeah. with everything, it's garlic, oh. so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, I like to keep it on the, I don't know, like raw meats, like carpaccios or tartar, so uh, raw seafoods, I really like when they're going together, like the monolactic flavor that they're releasing, plus the garlic in uh, background they're having it, it's just, it's very pleasant. And is the garlic flour, Stronger than garlic, or more floral, or what? A, what do you like about it? It's a bit, a bit different. Obviously, the smell it's very, it's very like garlic. So, like, imagine when you're working during, on the springtime during on the creek, you can just you can see them everywhere and just smell garlic in the head. But once you actually having them, it's uh, it's like light garlic. It's like when you're blanching the garlic over and over to make it lighter, it's the same flavor, mm. very natural. And uh, once you blanch and um, blix in the the stems, it's kind of like very bright green, which mm. is obviously very pleasant to the high as well. Wow. So right now I'm matching it with the with burrata, so I do peas, I do a white garlic emulsion, and just mixing it uh, on the bottom of the plate with the burrata over the top, it just go very well with cheeses and garlic, I mean, it's, yeah. it's classic. And did I read that um, there was perhaps, I, I don't want to say, there wasn't pressure, but there was yeah. a desire perhaps to keep on some things on the menu, like the cotoletto or something that, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Um, it was a bit of a debate at the beginning because, uh, you know, we have some shift with a previous owner, with Morris, which is, you know, showing the place around, see, showing the locals, and he has a very strong signature menus, and he's suggesting us to keep some of the signature dishes. But first, uh, I don't believe much in signature dishes because... Mm. You know, I like to play with season. If something goes off season, it's no point to me to keeping it anymore. Mm. Obviously, these dishes are more uh, popular than others. But he was always at the fried calamaris on the menu or uh, the bilcotoletas or the pasta with crabs. Spaghetti with crab, which is, you know, very solid dishes, but I'm opening my own place. I won't do my own menu. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I have to keep in consideration the, the locals. You know yeah. what I mean? Like people coming here for years and sometimes they have some expectation and want to, want to match them. So I start to play a bit with the menu. So instead of using a veal cotoletta, I put up a sorfish cotoletta. So I took a classic ah. dish from Sicily, which is a sorfish uh, alla, alla puttanesca with tomatoes, capra and olives. And uh, made it in a more, uh, modern way and it's been very, very, very popular. Nobody mm. has complaining at all. Same story yeah. with the uh, crab spaghettini. 
I've been playing for the last couple of years even at Baccaro with um, uh, Bomaro and Shellfish. So it's a combination that um, I've been using a bit. And so it, I use it with uh, Scampi, I use it with Prawns. Coming here, we found that um, signature dish was a crab spaghettini. So I just mixed the Bomaro with the, with the Spanner crab and it just turned out fantastic. So it's a it's not part of the menu. Yeah, it's yeah. not gonna be there forever, but it's gonna be there for a while anyway. Yeah, that's it. How long were you at Il Bacaro? Oh, I've been there for six years actually. Wow, it's been a while. Yeah, it was very, it was very good, a fantastic experience. Yeah, absolutely. Well, working was, with David, and I see that you did quite a few things. You know, some collaborations with all, all working, say, with um, Orem Poultry yes. and so on, and doing those kinds of things. So that was great experiences. Yes, yeah. I moved there after. Um, Finish at Grossi. I did my oh. my sponsorship there, and okay. uh, you know, just, Grossi can be very challenging and uh, intense. So I just needed a a moment to you know just relax a bit. So I moved from head chef there to chef de Paris back. I said, look, guys, I want to be there just a few months, relax a bit, and then see what to do. And the things keep rolling, in, and they put me in charge of the kitchen eventually, and I stayed there. It was fantastic. Yeah. Honestly, I would have been there if I wasn't opening up my own place. Because right. yeah, working there was very. It was very good. I loved it. I love well, the team. I love the management and all. Whenever you, I mention Il Bacaro, people say, "Oh, it's my favourite restaurant." So you know, think you obviously things are being done right there because people yes, love exactly. it, don't they? Yes. <laughs> so where did it all start for you? So you learnt to be a chef in Italy. Yes, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit. Um, so after finish, uh, actually, while I was at school, I was just looking for a summer jobs. And um, I started in a, in a bakery because uh, my auntie was, was uh, working there. So it was, a, it was a very hard job, to be honest, like working at night times and, and things like that. So I started to like, like the baking parts, but I didn't like the night shift. So I said, well, maybe start to work in a kitchen now. You know, still enjoying it as much. So the summer after, I started to work as a, as a dishy. And I ended up to be in this high-end uh, hotel in my, in my hometown. And I, well, it's, again, it's a bit of a cliche, but when you step in there, as a dish, you just see the kitchen, it's very disciplined, the food was amazing and everyone just acting like a, almost like an orchestra, everything working at the same pace and things when the kitchen is properly organized, which is very, uh, I don't know, I found it fascinating. Mm. And then, you know, like the chef used to say, just stall with your high night, look what we're doing and so you, you can learn in that way. And I start to, and I start to do that. So when I'm washing dishes, I start to see what they were doing and eventually I start to do some little prep jobs and from that it's just... Yeah. For, forget about the uni I just want to be a chef and that's it wow I save enough money eventually and to move overseas yeah. I went to London for a couple of years did some uh, big restaurants there London is, can be a very very tough town to work so yeah, it's like so long what, hours when was that? Huh? when was that? that was in 2000 I did from 2008 to 2010 <gasps> yeah, so two right. years there like talking about you know when you work in high-end restaurants it's 8 o'clock in the morning to midnight at night it's like you know a lot of similar story from from many different chefs. Was it Italian food or yes, Italian yeah, Italian food, food, modern yeah. Italians. Yeah, I experimented with a bit of Asian food here in Melbourne. I tried, I worked at Matteo's for a little bit before Grossi, but I found out that it wasn't for me. I have yeah. to kind of reset all my palates from the beginning, learning all uh, all the new produce. Like you know, I was just, mm. I want to stick my what I know better and yeah. that's it. And so from, so from London, did you go back home again and then come here or? Um, so from London, I went back home for about six months, started to organizing my trip to Australia. Mm. 
I came to Australia one full year, six months in Sydney. I was working in the um, in a, um, well, close to King uh, King Cross. It will be yes, close to King Cross, Wulu Mulu, I think his name is. Okay. Of the suburbs there, it was a lovely Italian restaurant called Mezzaluna. I don't think it's there anymore, but it used to be a very very cool place to to work. Just right with a with a big balcony on the bay. It was a lovely Italian wow. restaurant. I think it was one or two chef hats back in the days. Okay. Anyway, uh, it was beautiful for six months, but eventually my my time that was over, I moved to Melbourne and uh, and I started to work uh, in a restaurant It's not there anymore on 101 Collins Street. It used to be called The Italian. Um, again, big restaurants, solid hats, just a lot of working. Uh, at the end of the year, obviously, I did a bit to travel around. I really liked the country, but didn't find um, a reason to stay at the, uh, at the moment, so I went back to Italy. And did a year there, uh, working my, in a local mission stars where I, uh, where I was. And then the old owner just gave me a call after six months. And he said, oh, if you want to can sponsor you, I said, you know what? I was doing like 80 hours a week, six days a week. You need to say, oh, Australia was a bit better. So I come back here and yeah. the thing just kept rolling since then. What, what made you come here in the first place? Why Australia? Uh, I, it sounds silly, but I used to read a lot as a kid a lot of books and I was like, always like books about travel and uh, from London probably was the farthest place I could go Australia one of the farthest so it's just get the map it's just okay it's far enough yeah and then and at the time it was just getting very popular with the working holidays and things so I said you know what it's fairly easy trips yeah. with all the places I can go so I came here it was just more of a challenge of a experience rather than anything yeah yeah and I really, I loved it, you know. Well, obviously you're invested in it now because yeah. you're an owner. Let's <laughs> see, let's see. I became a citizen uh, during the lockdown, actually. Oh, so, did you? Yes. Yeah. So it's been 12 years, Amiana. You know. Wow. It's been a while. Yeah. I haven't lost my thick accent, but. No, well, I haven't lost my thick <laughs> New Zealand accent. So. <laughs> um, and how does it feel owning a place? What's the difference between being a head chef and also being a head chef owner? It's a. Uh, so far, it's fifty percent excitement, fifty percent stress. Yeah. Obviously, the mindset is different now. Yeah. You know, I have to think about uh, not only the food but other parts of the other parts of the business. You know, you've always been involved in uh, costing the produce right and all, but now you just do it, I guess, just more carefully. Yes, that's what it is. Um, obviously, the kitchen uh, was already there. We did a quick renovation of the kitchen too, by still missing a bit of uh, equipment in there, and that's obviously pretty a big part on the menu on the menu creation. Mm. So I guess now we just try to organize the money, make the restaurants uh, running correctly and then start investing more money into the kitchen and moving also, it's a different game, it's a different mindset, you know. Mm. But since but difference, uh, probably. And it's, you know, you've been a chef for a few years now, so you've got a wealth of experience and, um, and it sounds as though you're really inspired by the seasons and by produce yes um, do you, where else do you look for inspiration do you look at Instagram or cookbooks or? Uh, yes uh, as I said I used to read a lot of books and I still but obviously different kind of already more about <laughs> more food books obviously you know and uh, yes I still find the best inspiration on cookbooks rather than social media social media is always up you know they got this filter on that you can't really yeah. see properly through it so uh, yes I prefer stories of other chefs, the way they work in, the way they achieve something, you know, I mean, I try to make it somehow mine. I never try to copy a dish the way it is, that is, I found it very disrespectful to someone, but I also, you can get inspired by someone else's story on his book, someone else 
produce or someone else, uh, you know, simple experience, you, you get inspiration by it, you mm. get inspired by the others. At the end, it's, it's became, kitchen has become a big community, it's what it is, you know. Knowledge are all out there, you just need to put it together and, and make it yours in your own way, you know. Yeah. Always bring a bit of your personal experience into it. And that's how it comes, the menu here is a bit of my Italian backgrounds, a bit of local produce, a bit of my obsession for fermentation at the moment, and it's all come, it's all come together. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have lots of notebooks? Do you write things down? Do you have... Uh, it's all in your head? <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of both. Like, uh, yeah. sometimes I'm just reading a book and uh, taking notes, and then, and then it comes together. I go, like, little notebooks everywhere, and you look at uh, during the years a different time in school, sometimes the same notes bring you up different ideas. So that's what, what I'm... What I'm doing. Yeah. Do you think about food 24-7? Oh, 23-7. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, yeah, normally. Yeah. And um, it's a big part of the job, you know, because when you are in, in the kitchen, you don't really have time to think about the creative parts. So uh, yeah. when I'm cycling home or uh, when I am out foraging my, my produce, then I start to start to thinking in that way, you know. I was looking at the produce, um, at the produce list, see what I mean, because I don't do the produce. I look at the produce, see what is available, and I'm organizing the menu around them. You know, otherwise, you kind of forcing things. You never yeah. work with the best produce around in that way. Yeah. So I look at the produce first, and then I create the menu around the produce. Yeah, amazing. That's it's the best way to do. I think. I was going to ask you before, so I'm kind of jumping back now, but um, I know that in France, I lived in the south of France for a year. Oh, I love south of France. <laughs> um, near Avignon, and I would, I made all these amazing friends who um, would invite me for dinner and they were very, this is in the 90s, but very, very seasonal. And, um, you know, so when it was asparagus season, for example, you know, they would get, I'd always stop and wait and watch how they did things because there's always, like the French people, there's always a way of doing things. Yes. And so they would get their plate and they would put, you know, the, their fork or whatever there and they would you know, balance that and make a little vinaigrette in the bottom and then take each spear and dip it in. And everything is so, you know, in eating artichokes, they would eat all around the leaves and then have the heart. Is it the same in Italy? Do you have those kinds of <laughs> it's a, particular ways of doing things? Yeah, so look, um, yes, there, there are. It's, you know, food, it's a, it's a celebration at the end of the day. You know, it's a, like around the table, it's where everything happens in a family and that's, you know, I don't know how to put it in proper words, but yes, everything got its own, um, the, the way of things. Like growing up in a farm, uh, season brings food, and food brings works, and you know, it's all a chain of things. And you end up to celebrating the, the year through the produce. So when it's summertime, it's tomato, as times for tomatoes, and so you're making the, the passata, the salsa, and all the families get involved into it, and there is a very specific way to do it. There is a reason, I'm not sure about it, but it's always been done that way and it works, so that's it. It's kind of, it's, it's a tradition that is, and it's going along when it comes to autumns, you've got um, olives and wine, so you're making oil and, making oil and wine is done in that way for specific reason and just, you know, keep the tradition going, so, yeah. It's, it's, and it's very community-based, isn't it? Like, I love yes. that idea, you know, we... I don't feel as though we have that so much in the English or Anglo-Saxon culture of people coming together to make passata or to to make all the salumi and so on. Yes, I, it's I, I really like that everyone comes together. Comes to together. Do that. It's all the neighbors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, the neighbors come to help us to making the wine, and you go to help them to make the salumi. It's just like you know, 
is a community comes together. It, yeah. As I said, there's a lot of things happening around the table, you know, like you, birthdays, all the celebrations all happen around the table. So obviously he has his own kind of rules. Mm. Also, you know, like his own manners to the things, yes. And so what's the experience you want diners to have when they come here? What would be the ideal way for them to approach the menu and... and Okay, definitely with uh, open minds, because yeah. there is a lot of uh, Italian classics made in a bit of a modern way. So we like to, to them to think they are having an Italian experience, because what we want, of course, at the end of the day, we have an Italian restaurant. But I would like to them to love the fact that they're having, they're eating local produce, you know, like uh, be proud of what's Australian doing, like they're proud of their own farmer, be proud of their own fishermen, be proud of their own butcher because that's what they're having. The produce they're growing around, you know, the area. They should be very, you know, proud of having Italian food but with their own produce. Mm. And so on. I want that, I want to be open-minded in that way. Yeah, nice. Um, maybe just one more question because I can yeah. hear people are having their staff meal and you, oh, may, okay. you might need to jump in and because it's probably going to be a big Friday night, is it? Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of, kind of, yeah. Be fine. So just my, um, the last question I often ask is what, what would be your advice to a young person starting off as a chef? Oof, I don't think I'm that good <laughs> to, to giving any advice. Honestly. What would you tell your younger self? To my younger self? Uh, well, be smart about it. Uh, pick the right experience. Don't think too much about immediate rewards. Think about collecting the right experience that's my work for you I think because mm. at the end of it if you ever gonna be a head chef you pursue this career for a long time your food is gonna reflect your experience that you have in the past so just pick the right experience for you that's what I would say I think that's a perfect answer <laughs> thanks <laughs> thank you no worries thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Alessandro Tintori at Sosta Ristorante in North Melbourne you can check out all the goodness on Instagram at sosta underscore ristorante. That's S-O-S-T-A underscore R-I-S-T-O-R-A-N-T-E. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more stories from other chefs, you can follow me on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. You can read the chat and become a subscriber at www.conversationwithchef.com good to become a subscriber because I know you're there and then I feel loved (laughs) and then you get to know when the new stories go up. I'd also absolutely love it if you told a friend about my chats and of course you can follow me on Apple, uh, Spotify, Audible and Amazon Podcasts. (laughs) Once again thanks so much for listening, have a great day et bon appétit.